Not today, Bubba. Go get him, Bubba. Love you. Not today, Bubba. Just Gordy. Gordy. Hey, Bobby, for a second. Heart, folks, coming to you live here, episode 88. The Braille Lidham Show, for those of you watching on the YouTube right now, Bobby went a little tropical on him today. I figured, hey, why not? Episode 88, let's hit him with the trop top. That's exactly what we did here. Really got that Bahamas-type feel here to episode 88. Folks, this is indeed the Braille Lidham Show. I am indeed Big Game Bob coming to you on your local airwaves. However you're listening, why ever you're listening, my goodness, we're just happy you are indeed listening. Folks, before we head over, it is interview day. Before we do so, want to give a monster shout-out to you. Yes, you listening right now, my goodness. We hit 100K on Instagram. Nice little milestone right there. I'll be honest with you. All my friends kind of hyped up as far as, okay, we got to get to 100K. We got to get to 100K. And don't get me wrong, I was all for it. But I didn't know that I would enjoy it when it hit as much as I did. I kind of felt like on the Instagram that it would just turn to 100K and it'd be cool for a little bit and let go. Nope, not the case. Boy, did I celebrate. I had a big old bottle of tequila. I went harder for the 100K than I did on, I think, any New Year's party I've ever been. Actually, no, not last year's. (laughs) I take that back. (laughs) Last year's was actually pretty wild. Uh, But, yeah, I I mean, I just – it was really an enjoyable celebration. I I, I just – I really wanted to get to that 100K. And, you know, I've always felt like – and – I mean this in the most modest way possible. I always thought that we really had some of the best content out there when it comes to the Instagram or when it comes to the podcast. And look, I believe that. I I, I really do. I think we have some of the best material out there. And by saying we, not just myself. I have Joey Coldcut. You bring in Grace. You bring in a Matty Rigatoni. All these characters. That's when I say we. I just think we have some of the best content out there. And me and Grace, in order to keep Grace on the show, and and as we explained before, was we kind of mapped it out and we said, okay, if we can hit 100K on Instagram, our following on the podcast will be big enough to keep her behind the glass on the ones and twos so she didn't have to go back home to the Middle East. We figured there would be some way to keep her here if I was able to just grow my Instagram following, which would then translate to the podcast. And, and, And that was kind of the goal. And it was frustrating because I knew we were against the clock, and I felt the need to really build it up and make sure, you know, I did everything possible to keep her here. We wanted Grace back on the ones and twos, Um, and 100K was always that milestone. So, you know, I was putting all these videos out there, and I'd been doing these videos for so long, sending them to so many people. Uh, So at times it got frustrating, you know, watching it slowly climb, and Look, it sounds crazy, but but it is a grind. It, it really is to get it, to keep building up, to do different things, to come up with different material. And that was always the goal, and it felt real good getting there. And, you know, look, our goal is to keep blowing this thing up, get it as big as we possibly can. Obviously, we still have a long way to go, and the, the idea is some way – Shape or form, if we get big enough, we're able to get Grace back in some capacity, whether it's a working visa, whatever it may be. So it just was, it meant a lot. It meant a lot to hit that 100K. It really did. And it doesn't happen without you, all the fine folks of the show, of the Instagram following. 
I appreciate you all, and and I love you all. I really do. It's just it, it's really fun to be able to wake up and express your thoughts with you know a, a a mass amount of people and get feedback. You guys get feedback, and 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 the DMs that I get, I see them all. By the way, DMs I'm always scrolling through. I see them all. You because you, you have to. You take in all the feedback. Where can we change? What can we do? I think the interviews have been great. You know, I love doing the pod bits. I do think we need some more conversation. I do think we need to bring in the regular cast more, get some Joey Coldcuts in there, bring in a Matty Rigatoni, get those type of characters, keep up and running. Uh, but we got a good thing going here. I love you all, folks. We keep the good things going. Now we head on over to Rob Riggle. This guy has been in just about everything. He's got a fascinating story of him being hired at Saturday Night Live that I really wanted to get into. Really just a great guy. Um, and yeah, so we went ahead and we interviewed Rob Riggle. He's been in Step Brothers, Hangover, 21 Jump Street, a lot of comedies, very close with Will Ferrell. Very, very funny. You'll be the judge of that, though, folks. We take you over now to the Rob Riggle Show here, episode 88. You're listening to the Burnley Dumb Show. Mr. Riggle, how are you, sir? Good. How are you? How's everything going? What a pleasure this is. Yeah, this is nice. Uh, just, you know, making the rounds today without leaving my house. So it's kind of a nice thing. I think it looks like you're still standing okay, though. No, you're hanging in there? Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, Doing, you know, making the best use of your COVID time, your, your quarantine time, I guess. Not COVID. You know, but- I, I got I to tell you what, Rob, you got to think. I, I really think that I got you at a good time. You think about it, you're a Kansas City guy. I got the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl. The Royals are hanging in there, and I'm sorry to take a cheap shot at you, but it doesn't look like there's going to be college football, and that could be a good thing for the Kansas <laughs> Jays. I'm sorry to start off like this, Rob, but hey, we got nowhere to go but up. I'm ex- that's why I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. <laughs> well, I can't start, but the the way I have to start before anything, I got to thank you for your service, man. I really appreciate what you guys do. My brother went to West Point, and just oh, nice. Really, really appreciate what you guys do. Well, thank you. You ready to get rocking and rolling? Sure, man. Now, before we go into anything, I really want to jump into this hoops coming up on Netflix, a new animated comedy sitcom coming to Netflix. I got a sneak peek at it, Rob. I, I find it to be hilarious. I really do. Good. How nice is it? This is a change of pace for you where you're doing a voiceover. Is it nice to come on set and all you got to focus, you don't got to worry about your hair, nothing, just making sure the vocal pipes are clear and you can let it rip? Yes. I mean, it, it, yes, there's such an advantage to just getting out of bed, throwing a hat on, not <laughs> shaving, not, I don't get, you don't care about any, you know, you're not trying to get spruced up in any way, shape or fashion. All you got to do is go hang out with really funny comedy friends and just try to make each other laugh like have a blast and the script is already funny. So you already have this great starting point and then you just try to add on to it or find things. And, and the, everybody involved is so talented and funny that it's, it, and they're all friends. So it's, it's, it's playtime and, and you get paid to do it. And that's a big, that's a really good thing in this world. And you could tell the chemistry is there between you guys too. And then on top of that, you could pretty much just show up in a pair of sweatpants. No, that's the best. Rob, do me a favor. Take me to it's it's one of the more fascinating journeys as far as being able to serve for 23 years and have the career resume you have, not just serving, but also in entertainment, too. You said something that I found to be hilarious. We talked about you being a Kansas City guy. 
you talk about going to flight school to get your pilot license. And you've said that Kansas is pretty much one of the best places to learn to fly because it's so open. It's so flat. You pretty much can't miss the runway if there is no runway. I'm telling you, if you have any, the best place to learn to fly is Kansas. Cause honestly, any engine trouble you have, you just put it down anywhere. Um, you're going to be fine. There's more than enough. If you have any altitude at all, you're going to find a, you're going to find some place to set it down and walk away from it. That so is not always the case in more mountainous regions. I got uh, such so a kick Kansas out of it. This is a great place to learn how to fly as far as building your confidence. Right. You really, it, it's hard to screw it up in Kansas. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then I, when you fast forward, okay. And you decide that you're now you're already, you're in the Marines and you, you, you decide you're going to leave flight school. Okay. Cause you're going to pursue comedy and acting. Are other pilots and people in the Marines looking at you saying, what, what the hell are you doing? Absolutely. Absolutely. They were. I mean, were they busting your balls? Everybody in my squadron. Um, you know, my, obviously my good friends care about me, you know, so they're, they're good. They're like, dude, this is exciting. Good luck. You know, I wish the best for you. But there's a lot of people that were confused, uh, not just in my squadron, but uh, family members, uh, girlfriend at the time, um, you know, a lot of people were confused by it because it was their dream. Their dream was to fly planes, you know, uh, in the military and, or fly jets or helicopters. And great dream, and, but, you know, that was their dream, you know. And so it was hard for them to accept my dream. Um, and so, uh, but like I said, the, the people that really cared about me, uh, the, fr- the good friends I had were very excited for me. And I'm still friends with all of those guys today. So, <clears throat> so that's a good thing. Safe to say you got the last laugh, no? <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but uh, I, I definitely uh, am glad that I chose the path that I did. And I, I still got to serve, which is important because even though I left flight school, I stayed in the Marines just on the ground side so that I could, you know, it, 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 it made it more possible. It made it possible for me to also pursue what's amazing to me is you think about it you're pursuing this and at the same time you're still on active duty so you could get called pretty much at any moment and what really hits home for me growing up in new jersey is september 11th you you get that call is i take it that's something that's just going to stick with you every day yeah yeah i mean i was living in manhattan at the time um i just left active duty and I had joined a reserve unit right there in Manhattan and 9-11 happened. And uh, since we were the only reserve unit in Manhattan, um, I was activated that night um, of September 11th. The next day I reported to ground zero and began working on the rubble piles, moving debris by hand. Um, and uh, I did that till September 30th. And then, um, then I volunteered to go back on active duty because I had a pretty high security clearance for my job and I knew they were going to need people. And I was, to be quite honest, a little pissed. Um, and uh, uh, so uh, Central Command picked me up on November 10th, which is the Marine Corps birthday. And uh, I reported November 17th to Tampa, Florida to Central Command. And November 30th, I was on a plane to Afghanistan. So it happened very, very rapidly. Um, and uh yeah, so that's the, the story about 9-11, I guess. I, I kind of lost track of what, what the question was. I apologize. 
Is is there any side of you when you just found out that you were going to have to go that was kind of in, in the regard that saying, here I am, I'm pursuing comedy and acting. I know I want to get into this, yet you have to go. Is, is it safe to say you were disappointed or after seeing what you saw, you, you were ready to go? You were ready to go into Afghanistan? Um, yeah, I, look, I wasn't, I, you know, on September 10th, uh, I was pursuing comedy and acting. I was quite happy. Um, you know, I, I had no intentions, but after... After that, after we were attacked on September 11th, everything changed, um, you know, and um, I felt my priorities shift and, and, you know, I was a captain at the time. Uh, I had a lot of training in certain areas and I, and I you know, uh, I knew they were going to, I was in a rare position to do something. So um, it became very clear to me what I was going to be doing for the next year. So you say was, you were one of the funniest guys in Afghanistan? I, yeah, I think that's probably fair to say. <laughs> Well, you know, it's amazing. You're, you're out there and you're kind of holding back this comedy in your back pocket because you have to obviously obtain that level of you were very high up in the Marines. Was it hard to at, at times during off times hold that back and not let these people see the side of you? No, uh, I, you know, it's it's a tricky thing, but um no, when I was, a, when I, you know, being a Marine officer, I, I, I never want to uh, project to anybody in my charge that I'm, I'm not serious or proficient at my job or my responsibilities. So, you know, when I was uh, time and place, when, I'm a, when I was in charge, I, I, I was very prudent in, in the way I conducted myself and executed our missions and, and did the things I had to do. However, um, I also, you know, you can't change your personality. That's what makes you genuine. That's what makes you connect to other people. And people, especially Marines, Marines are smart, man. They, they, they can tell genuine leadership and genuine people in, in a heartbeat. Uh, and they don't tolerate uh, uh, insincerity. So, um, so I never tried to change my personality and be someone I'm not. I always maintained my personality. I just wasn't trying to do bits. Now, <laughs> now, we, fa- now we fast forward 2002. I believe as you get your shot at the Holy Grail of comedy Saturday Night Live. And I've heard you tell the story and it's just fascinating. Saturday Night Live, you get this audition. They text you an hour before of what comedy club to be at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way. Uh, so, yeah, I got back from Afghanistan at the end of 2002, right at the beginning of 2003. And this was this would have been the summer of 2004. Uh, you get the you they they invite you to audition and you have to be invited to audition. You can't just go audition. Of course, so right? It's an invitation type thing, and they invite people from Los Angeles, Chicago, Toronto, New York. You know, and they and it's a handful of people from every place. So say five people from every place. Um, and in order to the first, it's a two part audition. First night, you go to some stand up club uh, to be determined. And you uh, uh, get up and do five to seven minutes of your best stuff. So what does that mean? Well, for stand-ups, pretty simple. It means you're five, five to seven minutes of your best material. I tell you, Grace, I'll be honest with you. A premium product deserves premium advertisement. That's what I got here with these Raycon earbuds. You tuck these babies right in here, Grace, you're good to go. I ran four miles the other day. You know the last time I ran four miles? It's like these things aren't even here. Premium quality 
earbuds. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are their best price, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. You've heard me talk about how the company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities, J.R. Smith, all these good guys. Now it's Big Game Bob's turn. Tuck these babies in. Listen to greatness as you should in the way you should. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash dumb. We kept it easy for you. Buyraycon.com slash dumb for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash dumb. Folks, enjoy premium quality greatness. For improvisers and uh, sketch comedians like me, who I wasn't doing stand-up at the time, uh, you do characters. So you do character monologues. So, you know, three original characters and three impersonations, all right? Right. And each character gets a minute to crack them up, so to speak. Because um, that, that comes about six minutes, which is right in that window. Move on. Right. right. So, uh, but what they do is they, they don't tell anybody where you're going that first night because they don't want the New York people stacking the house with, with their, their own. friends and family, you know, and then making it a big laugh riot when you come on totally. and, and booing everybody else. So it's, it's a real cloak and dagger operation. So I literally went and sat in a Starbucks in Midtown and waited and waited and you know and i'm trying not to be nervous and i'm trying to be positive. you know the call summon coming at some point of where to be right and then you yeah. get and then they do a mass call out to everybody because all, all the people that flew in from la and chicago they're all in their hotel they send out the call and they say you know you got an hour or an hour and a half whatever to get to uh, or an hour you got an hour to get to uh comic strip live on 78th and third avenue this is wild and you go, okay, I'm out of here. I got to go. And you go get in a cab or you jump on a subway or a bus, whatever, and you haul ass to the comedy club. You get there. Uh, you start, you meet in the lobby area, the bar area. As you come in, you know, they know, they know who they're looking for. They get your name. They put your name. They put all the names in a hat. They mix it all up. And then they start drawing. And sure enough. First. Up first tonight, Rob Riggle. First. <laughs> first in the sense that they're going to forget about you by the, the oh, yeah i mean you're, you're, they're seeing like 20 comedians and i'm first <laughs> i'm first I, I was like i was like well thanks god thanks for that one because i guess it's over and not only that but the audience isn't warmed up they don't know what to expect they think they're seeing stand-up and they're going to get an improviser doing character work <laughs> so i'm like i mean I, you know there's a thing about going in the middle or going towards the end where you know, the, the crowd is in that laughing mood. They're kind right. of, you know, they've warmed up. There is a warming up. It is a warming up. And I had to go out there cold, cold, and try to sell my goods. Um, uh, luckily, it worked. Because what happens is then after that first night, they, they narrow the group. So it goes from 20 down to eight. And you're seeing guys drop off. Guys that you saw at the first audition, you're now not seeing at the second one. Right, because the second night is then you actually go to 30 Rock. You actually go, you know where the host comes out and does right. a monologue, he or, he or she does their monologue? That's where you do your second audition. And they actually put you on camera so the, the, all the NBC executives in Burbank can watch the auditions along with 
Holy Lauren, shit. Tina, you know, whoever the, you know, uh, Higgins and Shoemaker, whoever the producers are now, those are the producers then, but, and, and there's no audience. Oh, and by the way, Lauren, Tina, Shoemaker, Higgins, all those guys saw you do your whole routine the night before. So they're not going to laugh. They're not going to laugh. They're not going to laugh. Um, and there's nobody else out there. So you're, they tell you, don't panic. Don't panic when you drop that first joke and no one laughs. You know, it's not a big deal. No, I don't care who you are. You drop that first joke and you don't hear anything, but crickets, your adrenaline right. starts to go. Your, right. your pulse picks up, your tempo picks up, and it's hard to, you know, be cool. <laughs> yeah, keep it um, all together. Right. And, you know, so anyway, you, you, you do it again. Um, and uh, then you walk off the stage, they take the microphone off you, they walk you to the elevator bank and they say, thank you. And in a, in a, in a blink of an eye, you're standing out on, uh, you know, Sixth Avenue uh, going, what, what just happened? Did I, you know, you're, it's a daze, you know, the adrenaline is so, and you're, you're literally out on the street, right in front of 30 Rock going, I think I just auditioned, I don't know, you know? You don't, they don't tell you anything. They're like, you know, maybe I'll hear from them, maybe I won't. So you, you go home and you, you beat the hell out of yourself for the next week or two going, God, why did I do that? I should have done this. And, da, 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 da. and you beat yourself up relentlessly. And then they either call you or they don't. It's real simple. Well, you know what I love what you use to kind of get you going? You said that during that filming, there's a cameraman and the cameraman's kind of laughing though. So he's kind he's of the only one. There's a, there's a stage manager who, you know, counts you in and is kind of, and a, and a cameraman. And they're the only ones who haven't seen anything you're doing. They don't know anything about you. And I will say that is a good point. Um, I saw the cameraman. He's behind the you know camera like this. I did see him <laughs> going like this, well, which needed. was indicating to me that he was chuckling. And the <laughs> stage manager, God bless her soul, she was smiling at me going like this, you know, like <laughs> that was awesome. So uh, that was the only thing that, that um, uh, allowed me to sleep at night. And then you get that call, the ultimate call from Lauren Michaels. And, and does it all just change? I mean, what, what takes place? You think it would, you think it would, it it changes in your mind. You know, I mean, it's because it's a dream come true. You've been pursuing it for your whole life, basically in some sense. Right. Um, And it's, it's, it's such an iconic show. It says such a rich history. It's something that I grew up on Uh, all the different casts, you know, you get to, you know, there's so many comedic icons and legends that have walked those halls. So, so yeah, it's, it's unbelievably special. And, you know, you get the call, it, it happens, it's real. It's not some fantasy anymore. It's not some, and then of course, you want to call your loved ones and share it with them. And, and uh, yeah, it's just a special thing. And then of course you, you, you get there and, and, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta go to work and, and, it's it's big and it's scary and it's overwhelming. It was the first job I ever had in show business, which Hello. is so amazing. Would, yeah, how so many it's, people it's that can thing say where that? It's like drinking out of a fire hose, you know. I mean, I couldn't have been any greener. I couldn't have been. It was the absolutely, you know. People would say things to me and I didn't understand it until like five years later. I'd be like, oh, that's what they were talking about, right? Because you didn't really have that chance. That chance. No. Oh. It's, it's, and you know, another thing too that that I wanted to ask you. 
you've been on some of these movies that you've been on. They're just absolutely hits. And, and you've been on a lot of them. Okay. You work with a guy like a Will Ferrell. You do all the Step Brothers, 21 Jump Street. When you're on set with these guys, do you just know at times we got a hit where the chemistry is so good on set? You're watching this all play out. Is it in your head like this can't miss? No, there's never that thought. You don't have that at all. Never that thought of it can't miss. Right. Now, I do have thoughts of this is fun. We're all laughing pretty hard. You know, the, the, the execution of that scene was amazing, you know, or, you know, I love this guy's character or, you know, we, we crack up and we have fun, but trying to predict anything in this business is a fool's errand because um, right. there's just no way to know it. it weird things can happen opening weekend you know you you get slammed on the same weekend as a star wars movie you know and even though the movie's great no one sees it well right. you know, there's things that are out of your control i will say though that there are times when you're shooting it that you're like god this feels good god this is fun you know i hope this flies i hope nothing gets in its way because it feels so fun you said that you really got that with Step Brothers to where a lot of it was on the script. You guys were kind of just doing your own thing oh. to some regard. You was could that make just... a whole nother movie. You could make a whole nother movie <laughs> with the, with the uh, stuff they left on the cutting room floor. I, I promise you. Because Adam McKay is a genius when it comes to improv. He is an improv and sketch guy, you know, from Chicago, improv Olympics, Second City. Um, so he understands the value of, of uh, improv and he knows that you're going to get some of the best dialogue and some of the most creative, authentic stuff. The problem is, though, when you start improvising in a movie, you get really funny stuff, but it doesn't serve the story. It goes kind of off the rail. Right. And even though it's hilarious and it's really good, it, you know, there's only so much time in a movie, you know, and so you got to keep the thing moving forward. So when it comes time to trim the fat off it so that the story keeps moving a lot of that stuff gets you know cut out but it belongs somewhere you know right and it it, it almost feels like the the script doesn't even really do it justice in the sense of you could read the script but you know like a guy like will ferrell or even yourself you're gonna deliver it maybe different than what you read on the script would you say that's true yeah uh definitely i think that's the that's why i think people seek out improvisers is because right you know i i can look at a script and i know what the intent of the scene is i know what has to be accomplished in the scene like i you know by the end of this scene i know i gotta have the hat that's on his head on my head okay so if that's that's what's got to happen in this scene now they have a lot of dialogue about how we're going to do that but if i can add to that if i can use some creative language use some you know uh, some techniques or some, you know, mannerisms or some trickery or whatever to, to make it feel more real and funny. I'm going to try it. And when you have a director like uh, Adam McKay or Todd Phillips or uh, Jake Szymanski or any of these great comedic directors, they are going to allow you to play. Um, and the other people in the scene, if they're improvisers or have improv, improv comedy backgrounds, they're going to understand and they're going to play with you too. They're going to, you know, it's like volleyball. You got one guy sets, one guy spikes. Right. You know, and sometimes it's your turn to spike and sometimes it's your turn to set. And and you just got to know how to give and take and play. And uh, uh, so, yeah, um, a lot of that movie was improvised. Um, and, and, it, and I give a lot of credit to Will Ferrell for being gracious enough to let other people Do shine. That. 
right. you know, that's his movie, you know, and, and, and yet he's so gracious that he's like, you know, you're, you're killing it. Go, go. Um, and that's, you know, that's not easy to do. And, and Adam McKay for also saying, yeah, run amok, you know, have fun with it. Which probably is what makes it so great. No. I mean, if yes, in my humble opinion, yes, yeah. it, it, it does. You get, you get more things that feel organic and feel like they're actually coming out. Cause you know, I can read the word on the script. I can read the line on the script and I can change that line to verbiage I would use. And then I can sell it way better than I can sell their words. It's incredible. Uh, so a lot of times I do that. Now, sometimes there's sticklers. Sometimes, you know, you don't want to cheat the other actor because they're counting on me saying this line as a cue for them to say their line, right? Or for them to react or whatever. So if I change it up too much, they're like, what are you talking about? Because, you know, you know, so you, you, you have to know who you're playing with. You have to know there's a time and place to try all this stuff. You don't want to just be some loose cannon who comes on and blows off the script, doesn't know their lines, and that, that's not that's never going to fly. That's never. And you'll work. lose all chemi- chemistry out of the get go. No. Yeah, exactly. So you, you, it's it's a thing where you have to come in, you have to know your stuff, you have to know exactly how to to sell this and, and play this. But given the opportunity, why not try it using your own verbiage? Why not try it where you're going to put a little twist or a little attitude on it or a little something? Because, you know, more times than not, it feels really fun and real. You guys ever just having so much fun that you want to keep the night going and you go yes, and drinks together time. after? All the time. No when doubt we about Catalina, it. When we were actually at the Catalina Wine Mixer, um, <laughs> we could barely get through. Like, it was just playtime. Like, we could have stayed there all day and all night, come back the next day and the next night and done more and more and more. Um, all the stuff with, with you know, 80s Joel, uh, you know, all the stuff with uh, threatening uh, um, Will, you know, um, like I did a hundred takes of that where, you know, half the time I was asking him how to, how to bury a body, how to get a body off an Island. Uh, where can I score, uh, two kilos of cocaine on an Island, you know, just, you know, terrible things that, and they were all designed to put him in the worst position possible, <laughs> you know, cause here's your boss saying, how do I bury a body or how do I get rid of a body? You know, and I, I would always try to force him to be in the worst position possible. And because that's where that's where he's going to have the most fun is trying to negotiate that. And so for me to, to say that his face bothered me, um, you know, there's not how do you deal with that? If your boss comes up to you and says, you, you know, he has a problem with your face. And that's why Will made he made me die laughing because he was like, uh, OK, all I can do is take that in and process it and try to, you know, and it was so wonderful to watch him try to negotiate that because it's, it's not it's it's. It's un- it's unbelievable. Like, who would? How do you negotiate that? Oh, it's so great though. I was like, we as the fans, we see the final product, but we hear this from you, and you don't realize all the other shit that's going on besides yeah. the fact that just of what we're seeing behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable, dude. I got to tell you, Rob, you you are the best. I I I know you got a long day ahead of you, folks. You go ahead, check out Hoops, the animated sitcom coming to Netflix August 21st. You have some fun here on the Brilliantly Dumb Show, Rob. You're going to love this one. This one is awesome. It is a, uh, the cast is amazing. Some of the funniest comedians in, in Hollywood um, and they're, they're unhinged. They're allowed to shoot from the hip. There's no, no holds barred on this one. It's an R-rated animated series that uh, is, I think people are going to enjoy you haven't let us down yet. I don't think you will here. We're looking forward to it, brother. You're the best. Thanks, man. Nice talking to you. You too, buddy. You take care. All right. 
All right, folks, there you have it. Rob Riggle, like I said, heck of a guy, funny son of a gun. If you've seen his movies before, if you haven't, he's one of those guys, if you don't know him, if you Google him, you see the face, you know exactly who Rob Riggle is. Absolute character, fascinating story. I love that Saturday Night Live thing because, in all honesty, Saturday Night Live, that, that is like the throne of comedy getting there, and it's almost a sure thing for you to have a pretty successful career if you find your way on that show. So the fact that it was his first show, 23 years in the Marines, I, I mean, it, it, it's pretty amazing. Uh, but that, folks, does it here for episode 88, now 89. We go back to the audio the way we used to do these things. Back in the day, we keep those rolling. Got to mix in those audio episodes. So next week, it is just me and you. A little bit of comedy, a little bit of laughs, a little bit of fun, a little bit of sports. Folks, we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Burnley Dump Show. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. New merchandise is out as well brilliantlydumb.com. Give that a look as well. We will see you next week, folks. Not today, Bubba. Go get him, Bubba. Love you. Not today, Bubba. Gordy, Gordy, can I bother you for a second?